This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. I just want to welcome everyone that's tuned into Radio K Pulpit. You're with Alana Willifier, and my program is called Body Matters. And in this program, we normally deal with different aspects of the body of Christ. And I normally interview quite a few people involved in different ministries. And some days I just go solo, like today. And today I've got something on my heart, and this is just. How does the devil deceive us? You know, we we can talk about many things, but one of the most important things that I find is the topic of deception. You know, that the enemy is known as the father of lies. And then on the other hand, we've got the spirit of truth, which is God's truth, his spirit inside of us. So there's a continuous battle going on in the spirit. And our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities of evil, um, of principalities of darkness. And you know that if we don't have the Holy Spirit inside of us, you know, we are deceived. So today I just want to chat and touch on how does the enemy deceive us. So as I said, you know, the enemy or the devil comes to kill, steal and destroy. That is the purpose of the enemy. And if we don't have the Holy Spirit inside of us, then we are definitely, we cannot resist the enemy because only spirit can fight against spirit. So the only way that the enemy can plant a seed of lies is in our thoughts. Through our thoughts, he uses situations, he uses people to fulfill his purpose in our lives. You know, sometimes it's what we hear, what other people say to us, what we see, the things in the world that we experience, all of that eventually will determine our paradigm. In other words, it will determine our belief system. You know, from the moment of conception, the enemy has his dagger out for us, especially, um, you know, those who he knows God has called us, each and every one of us. He created us in his image. He knows that we belong to Jesus. He knows that we have authority. He knows that we were created for purpose. And he knows if we know the truth about who we are, then he is defeated. Then we will defeat him and we are are more than over conquerors. That's what the Bible says. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. So, you know, the enemy will plant thoughts in our minds. He will watch to see if we will take the bait. Um, You know, the enemy waits control. He wants to control our thoughts because our thoughts will determine our belief system and our belief system will determine our actions and eventually our actions will determine the course of our lives. You know that all forms of deception and sin also starts in the mind. You know, the enemy will just come and plant something. You know, why does he want to deceive us? And I've just touched on that now because he, because if, if we knew the truth about our identity in Christ, that we are a royal nation, that we were created for holiness, 
you know, then we are, we will be a number one threat to the enemy. You know, we would know our authority. We would know the power that we have over him. And the enemy doesn't want that. He would keep us in the dark as long as possible so that we will not know and not be able to operate in everything that God has for us. You know that the word of God says that my people will perish because of a lack of knowledge. You know, if we are ignorant of what the word of God says, then we cannot walk in the fullness and we cannot walk in the truth. Without the Holy Spirit, we are powerless against the onslaughts of the enemy because the Spirit is called, as I said, the Spirit of truth. And the Word of, the word of God says that this Spirit will guide us in all truth. And without the Spirit, we are unable to differentiate between a lie and a truth. And that is why it's so important that we know the Word of God, because inside the Word of God, we know, we will be able to, to know the benefits that we have in and through Him. We will know that we have authority. We will know that we are more than overcomers. You see, the Spirit of God inside of us carries power. And so with the Spirit of God inside of us, we are powerful. We are overcomers and we can overcome anything in this world. You see, the Spirit of and the word, through the spirit and the word, we are able to know the truth. And when you know the truth, you have to walk in the truth. The more you know the truth, the more power you have. You see, the kingdom of God is not just word, but power. That is in 1 Corinthians 4.20. It is the truth being demonstrated through the way we live. And that is why the Bible says that we are more than overcomers in Christ Jesus. Let's take a short music break and then we can touch on why is it important to guard our thoughts. Welcome back. If you've just tuned into Radio K Pulpit, you're with Alana Willie for you. And my program is called Body Matters. And today I'm touching on how does the enemy deceive us? And I've touched a little bit on that the enemy is called the father of lies. And then we've got the Holy Spirit, which is the spirit of truth. So the enemy will always come and he will lie to us. He will put thoughts in our minds. He will use people to say things to us. And at the end of the day, if the enemy can get hold of our mind, he can get he can determine our belief system and out of our belief system, we normally act. And so it could either be for good, if it's for, for God's kingdom, if the Holy Spirit leads us in all truth, then we will know the truth and walk in the truth. But if we are operating in a lie, lies are normally rooted in sin. So why is it important to guard your thought? Your thoughts are the gatekeepers of your heart. And I want to read Proverbs 23, 7 that says, So a man thinks, so he is. You see, when the enemy plants negative thoughts in our minds and we don't take those thoughts captive or dismiss them by choosing to meditate on, on it or on something else, it will eventually take root in our hearts. You know, another translation is in Proverbs 23, 7 that says, for as he thinks in his heart, so he is. This means that our thoughts are directly linked to our heart. So therefore, we, we what we choose to meditate on will establish the condition 
of our hearts. There's another scripture that comes to mind that says, um, guard your heart with all diligence because out of it comes the issues of life. And that's also so important to guard our hearts. But how do we guard our hearts? We guard our hearts when we guard our thoughts. Because whatever we allow to enter our thoughts and we meditate on it becomes a stronghold. And the more we meditate on negativity or lies or whatever the enemy um, presents to us, the more we meditate on it, the more it becomes rooted in our belief system. And when a lie becomes rooted in a belief system, it becomes a stronghold. And when you've got a stronghold, it's very easily that we are deceived because now a lie had become a truth. The more attention you give to a lie, the more you um, meditate on it. And you know, the enemy is so clever. What he does is he will reaffirm a lie. And I've experienced in, in my life where the enemy will plant a seed. And it, let's just look at an example. Say, for instance, there's a married couple and maybe there's a, a, a lady that works at your husband's work. And, um, you know, one day you go walk in there and you think, oh, this woman is so beautiful. And the enemy says something like, yo, you need to watch out. And, you know, the thought, just that little thought of if you entertain that thought for so long, it will start escalating. So then your, hus- your husband might come home late from work one day and he'll think, hmm, okay, I wonder, I wonder if he's maybe not spending time with this girl. And and this is just a silly example, you know, and maybe your husband dresses up nice and the enemy will say to you, look, look, he's dressing up nice to go to work. Maybe it's for that girl. So you know what? The enemy will take a little lie and he will try and reaffirm that lie until you get to a point where you are totally consumed, totally convinced, that something's going on and that can destroy eventually your whole marriage because the enemy comes to kill, steal and destroy. And so therefore it's so important to identify when the enemy is planting a seed in your thought and you know it doesn't line up with the word of God. You know it's starting to make you feel irritable, uncomfortable or whatever the, the, the case may be. Um, So that is how the enemy will come and plant those thoughts. But the word of God says, for as he thinks in his heart, so it is. Guard your heart with all diligence. Guard your heart. Because out of it comes the issues of life. Because out of the heart, there's another scripture, which I don't have off the heart, but I know it off the heart. It says, um, from out of the heart, you will speak. What you say comes from the heart. And I don't have that scripture right now in front of me. But everything, everything comes from the heart. So we need to guard our hearts. Why? Because God looks at the heart of man. So therefore, what we choose to meditate on will establish the condition of our heart. You know, many years ago, I read an article of people who had heart transplants and they received hearts from donors. And research found that these patients experienced some of their donors' behavioral patterns. 
And the research concluded that the heart had a memory just like the brain. And this study confirmed to me as a person that there is a definite link between the brain and the heart. The Bible says that we should guard our hearts, as I said. And the only way we can guard our hearts, as I said, is to guard our minds. So what happens when we don't guard our thoughts? I don't know about you, but if you meditate too long on something that is negative, say for instance, someone said something horrible to you that morning and you keep on replaying that in your mind or something happened or someone said, made an ugly remark and you, you keep on bringing it up and meditating on it, eventually that will affect your emotions. So our thoughts will eventually affect our emotions and our emotions, emotions are manifestations of our thoughts. And out of our emotions, we act. You see, there's a process we, we hear in something negative, then what happens is it affects us. We feel negative or we feel angry or we feel upset or we feel depressed or whatever. And then eventually we act upon it. You know, we might react by saying something negative back. So it's a, it's a chain reaction. So meaning that we still, okay, so I've read um, Stephen Covey's book and um, one of the quotes that he stipulated in his book was there's a split second between stimulus and response, meaning that we still have time to choose how we are going to respond when something presents itself to us. You know, sometimes someone, as I said, throws out a word or, or a negative word and before we can respond, we need to stop and just analyze it. Our emotions are so powerful, but it's also the most deceptive of all our senses because it is regulated But what we choose to meditate on. You know, our minds, what we, what we think is a choice. We can choose. The Bible says, take your thoughts captive, meaning we have a choice to as to what we want to meditate upon. And if we meditate on negative things, it will make us feel negative and we will react out of negativity. When we choose to think of positive things, what will happen is we'll feel good and we will react in a positive way. So our emotions sometimes is not always the truth. Therefore, we should not be controlled by our emotions, but rather the word of God, meaning that we should not respond always according to the way we feel, unless it's according to the word of God. Um, Okay, so I'm taking it from a different perspective. And this perspective, what I want to illustrate is, you know, sometimes we feel anxious or we feel fearful, but, you know, fear and anxiety is not from God. And sometimes we need to go back and think about what were we thinking that made us feel anxious and what we were, what we chose to meditate on to make us feel fearful. So we always need to go back to see what, what is it that made us feel the way we are feeling because we have a choice upon what we think. So if we fill ourselves with the word of God, with the truth, 
then we realize that the truth, the word of God is positive because the word of God brings hope. Um, and the word of God also says that we need to focus on what is good, right and worthy of praise. Why? Because when we think upon positive things, it will affect us positively and we can act upon it. So therefore, we need to learn how to to guard our thoughts and to manage our emotions. Um, there's an example how we, this is in the Bible in Ephesians 4.26. This is just an example of how we can manage our emotions. It says, in your anger, do not sin. Okay, so yet it's saying, Okay, so you've come to the point where you've allowed yourself the emotion of anger to arise. But when you there's that split second, what I'm talking about, Stephen Covey, between stimulus, what you get in, and your response, we need to be able to control our emotions. And it says, do not let the sun go down while you are angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Why? You see, when you meditate for too long on on something that is negative, it becomes a stronghold. And this is such a powerful scripture. And I think we can replace the word anger with any other negative emotion. And we need to deal with our emotions when it's negatively swiftly. And we need to practice self-control so that we do not respond or react out of sin you know that to think negative thoughts is one thing but to act upon it to hurt someone else is another thing so we can um, take our thoughts captive we can manage our thoughts and our emotions you see if we don't our emotions will affect our behavior now this is both ways it could be either for good or for evil so when our emotions are out of control we may struggle to keep our tongue in check now the one thing is our tongue and our tongue is very powerful you see the enemy loves this because with our own mouths we ensnare ourselves causing our own self-destruction you see the bible says we need to keep our tongues from evil in james 3 6 it says the tongue is also a fire a world of evil amongst the parts of the body it corrupts the whole body and sets the course of one's life on fire and itself sets on fire itself sets itself on fire by hell the emotion that we experience is not the sin it is what we choose to do with our emotions that determines or can cause the sin. In Matthew fifteen eleven, it says, What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth is what defiles them. So what is it that the enemy wants? How does he want to, to get a hold of us? First of all, he plants negative thoughts. If we don't take those thoughts captive, we will feel the emotion of those thoughts and out of the emotion we will react. And one of the ways in which we can react is the tongue. And our tongues are powerful because it has creative power. It says that um, the tongue is also a fire, 
a world of evil amongst the parts of the body. You know, with the words that we speak, our words are so powerful. If the enemy can get us to speak negative words over other people, over our circumstances, over ourselves, we are actually cursing ourselves. And it's not what we think and yes, at the end of the day, what we think, there's two, there's two ways of, of looking at this. But this is the immediate reaction to it. And another scripture in Matthew 12, 30, 36 says, But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word that they have spoken. You see, when we get angry and we say words and we break other people down or we swear at them or whatever, we are going to be held accountable for every single word that we say on the day of judgment. And it's what we say, what we say over our own circumstances. We actually prophesy of our own circumstances. So if the enemy can get us to the point where we can start lashing out with our tongue and we can start cursing ourselves, then we are already ensnared by the enemy and we are speaking evil over our own, our own destiny, over other people. You see, we can use our tongue for either good or evil. If we curse others, we are in the dangers of the fires of hell. And the Bible also stipulates that if we want to live a long life, we need to keep our tongue from evil. So the enemy strategy is to deceive us, for us to act out of it. And to break other people down because whatever we feel, our emotions will affect us and the people around us. So in 1 Peter 3.10, let me just confirm this. It says here, whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from deceitful speech. You see, evil talk does not only affect others, us or our circumstances, but it cuts our own lives short. When we do not control our thoughts or our emotions, we can ensnare ourselves by our own words and actions. Our tongues are so powerful that it either can sow life or death. In Proverbs 18.21 it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it and indulge in it will eat the fruits and bear the consequences of their works. So... The enemy comes in through our thoughts. Okay, so now when the enemy plants seeds in our thoughts, sometimes, you know, people will say things to us, it will hurt us, people might break us down, we might be just an example in an abusive relationship and we feel like people have broken us down, We our self-worth, our identity, all of that. And we might get to a point in our lives where our hearts become so hard, we become bitter, we become angry, we start building walls around ourselves. Why? To protect us. And we start becoming negative. And the, the moment that we start operating in bitterness, anger, resentment and unforgiveness, we start hardening our hearts. Remember that God looks at the heart of man. And 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, For man sees the outward appearance, 
but God sees the heart. You know, sometimes it's easy to hide bitterness and resentment and disappointment and anger and unforgiveness inside of us. But God knows our hearts and he sees the things that we're doing. And sometimes it's not, it's not the things that we wanted to, to put up ourselves. Maybe it's because someone else hurt you. And I always say to someone, you know, you might be in a in an abusive relationship and you might be have a husband or whatever, just an example, who maybe beats you up or treats you badly. And you might harbor all this resentment and bitterness and cut yourself off from the world and go into depression. And that is all because of unforgiveness. And that's why it's so important for us to walk in forgiveness because that's the only way that we can guard our hearts from getting hard. Because the minute our hearts are so hardened, we cannot heed to the Holy Spirit any longer. And we become desensitized to the Holy Spirit, to other people. We put such a big wall around us that not even we can't love others and no one can love us. And we are in such a protective mode that we cannot flourish ourselves. We cannot walk in, in the will and the ways of God. And, you know, and, and coming back to this example of sometimes your, your husband might abuse you or, or your wife or whatever, and all those words and negativity and curses have been spoken of your life. But if you do not forgive, if you not, if you don't walk in forgiveness and you start operating out of bitterness, anger and resentment, then you're also operating. You know, then you cannot point the finger because people often point the finger, but you're no, he's he's the one that did all this to me. But we need to take responsibility before the Lord and walk out our own salvation. We need to keep our hearts pliable and soft in Father God's hand so that God can work in us, so that God can heal us. Do you know there's so many people in this world that walk around with so much bitterness and anger their whole entire lives. And that is sin. To harbor that is also sin. And sometimes I said a hardened heart can be referred to as a slumbering spirit. You know that sin causes us to separate from God. If you're not prepared to forgive, then you're also sinning. You're not allowing God to to um to live in you and through you. You know, you're not you're not living your best. And God cannot use you or operate in or through you. You know, that sin also goes with, with lies. You know, when we sin, we normally heed um we normally hide our sin from others. Sometimes it's physical sin. And sometimes it's just sin that is so hidden in our hearts that we haven't dealt with it yet. But the word of God says when we confess our sins, we oppose the lie of Satan. And the truth, the Holy Spirit, can guide us in all truth. And when we know the truth, we can walk in the truth. And it says the truth will set you free you know, it's time when we, um, you know, we confess that sin. You know, the devil can get us in such a point where we are 
operating out of our emotions, operating out of a lie. You know, we believe we've exchanged the truth for a lie and we operate out of that because that's where the issues of life come and our lies and, and, and all that lies, all the things that we believe will settle in our hearts and that, that makes our hearts hard. But when we confess our sins to one another, God says he will heal us. And in Proverbs 28, 13 to 14, it says, Whoever seals his transgressions will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Now listen to this carefully. Blessed is the one who fears the Lord always, but whoever hardens his heart will fall into calamity. You know, sometimes we don't realize that our hearts become hard. But the only time our hearts can become hard is when we believe the lies of the enemy. And we settle with that. And those lies become strongholds. You know, you can't differentiate between what's good and evil anymore. You can't differentiate between the truth and a lie. And you're stuck in that place. But when we confess our sins, when we confess it, then God can work with us. When we forgive those who have hurt us, then God can work in us. You know, lastly, sin. If we continue in sin and we don't confess it and we don't forgive the people that hurt us, it will eventually lead to spiritual death. Why? Because we quench the Spirit of God inside of us. You know, when David committed adultery, he cried out to the Lord, do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. And that is in Psalm 51:11. You see, this will eventually lead to physical death. You know, spiritual death eventually will leave, lead to spiritual death. Let me just give you an example of how spiritual death can lead to physical death. You know, when, when we believe the lies of the enemy and it becomes a stronghold, and that will affect our emotions eventually. Why? We'll become depressed. We'll become anxious, fearful. All of that is, is, is because of the enemy. Then what happens is we start acting out of it. Sometimes people don't want to go anywhere. They don't want to do things anymore. You know, the enemy comes to steal from you. You might be angry with someone who, who has said things to you and you harbor onto all those things. Then you become bitter, anger and resentful and your body starts becoming affected by that. You know, when we become bitter and angry, our body becomes affected and all sin eventually leads to sickness and sickness leads to, or can lead to physical death. So, Many causes of sickness is the outer manifestation of inner sin. And sin and sickness are related to each other as concluded in this following verse. In Matthew 9, 5 it says, Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or get up and walk? You see, the aim of the enemy is to cause physical and spiritual death and to separate us from God. And James 1:14 to 15 says, Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has con- been conceived, that is now sin, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. 
and we're not just talking about spiritual death. It's spiritual death will lead to physical death. Why the goal of the enemy is to bring about self-destruction. You will self-destruct when you believe the lies of the enemy, when you operate in his lies. He just needs to give you a lie and you need to believe it and you need to take that bait. And once you believe that, it will affect your emotions. It's, it's like giving, it's like switching a button and it will just kind of, um, it's a domino effect. As it says, so a man thinks in his heart, so he will become. If you think a lie, you'll become a lie. If you think the truth, you'll walk in the truth. So whatever you are thinking, whatever you believe, whatever thoughts you allow and meditate on will determine the course of your life, whether good or bad. So how do we prevent this? So let's take a short break, music break, and then we'll come back to conclude. What can we do in this regard? I just want to welcome everyone that's tuned into Radio K Pulpit. You're with Alana Welly for you. And today I'm talking about how does the enemy deceive us? Why does he want to deceive us? And at the end of the day, the enemy comes to kill, steal and destroy. He wants to destroy you. He doesn't want you to walk in the fullness and the plans and purposes that God has for your life. And one of the ways that the enemy comes in is through our thoughts uses other people, uses situations to determine your belief system. And so a man thinks so you'll become. So what can we do to to prevent the enemy from determining um, the condition of our heart? Because remember, our minds are the gatekeepers of our hearts. God looks at our hearts And if we are going to allow the enemy to come through our thoughts and we believe everything it does is going to determine the condition of our hearts. And you know what? It can cause us to have a hard heart that is not pliable in God's hands. So let's have a look at ways. What does the word of God say about taking our thoughts captive? So first of all, we need to take our thoughts captive. In Corinthians 10, 5, it says, We need to destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So that means that we must intentionally take our thoughts captive. We can choose not to entertain that which is not from God because our thoughts will ultimately determine who we are. So a man thinks, so he'll become. So be careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. And that is in Proverbs 4.23. We must take our thoughts into captivity through the renewal of our minds. And that is in Romans 12.2. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Fourthly, we must continually resist the devil and he will flee. And that is in James 4, 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. We must continually surrender to the work of the Holy Spirit in us as we keep learning and growing every day. The more you know the truth of God, 
the more authority you have, the more you will recognize the lie. You see, if you don't have the Holy Spirit in you and if you don't have the Word of God, if you don't know it, you will be deceived. That's what the Word says. You will be deceived. You will just take anything the devil says and you'll believe it as the truth. Because if you don't know the truth, you will not be able to compare the truth between a lie and a truth. So Ephesians 4, 22 to 24 says, Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupt by lust and deception. Why? Deception comes from the enemy through negative thoughts. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Why the Spirit? Because it's, the Spirit is known as the Spirit of Truth, who will guide you in all truth. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. You see, God wants us to live a holy life. And we can only be transformed into God's image, into his way, because we've got the mind of Christ. We know when we got the Holy Spirit, we know what God's thoughts are. We know his will. We are able to discern the truth. Because God wants us to be holy, wants us to live a holy life. So our thoughts will eventually, if we have positive thoughts, it will eventually lead us to live a positive life. So we must continually to choose to focus on what is good. We've got a choice. And in Philippians 4, 8, 9 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think upon such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. What is God saying? He's saying to me and you, choose to think of what is good. Choose to think on what is right. Choose to think of anything that is praiseworthy. Why? Because he knows when we focus on positive things, we will feel good. We will be able to act in that way and we'll be able to live a godly life. And a godly life with God will produce good fruit. And the fruits of the Spirit is kindness, gentleness, patience, self-control, long-suffering, all of that love. We'll be able to operate in the will of God, and it will guard our hearts. We must continually to choose to focus on God. In Isaiah 26, 3-4, it says, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. So don't give up. In 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, even when we are sinning, even when we're in a place where the devil has run havoc with us, God gives us every day an opportunity to turn to Him. He says, Confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. It says, Ask God to forgive you and he will forgive you. Forgive others. And for those of you who harbor the bitterness and anger and resentment towards others, let go because it's not, it's not just for them, it's for you so that you may have life. 
so that you may be healed. Forgive, walk in forgiveness. And always remember we have the victory in Christ Jesus. So thanks be to God who gives us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 75. So I just want to end off there and I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you today for those of you who are struggling, you know, with bitterness and anger and resentment because people have hurt you. People have said things about you. People have maybe abused you. Today, I just want to pray for you. Lord God, I pray for every single person that is hurting, every person that has gone through so much abuse in their lives or whatever it may be, Father. First of all, we rebuke that spirit of abuse over their lives, Father. And we ask, Daddy, that you will come and touch their hearts. Father, I pray today that bitterness, that anger, that resentment, that disappointment, that each and every person is experiencing right now, Father, that they will choose today to forgive. Because your word says if we forgive others their sins, that you will forgive us of our sins, Father. And Father, I pray today for every listener that they will choose to walk in forgiveness, that they will choose to confess their sins, Father, so that they may be healed so that their hearts can become pliable in your hands, Father God. Lord, that you can deal with them. We come against bitterness, anger, resentment, disappointment, Father. And we pray that you will start doing a healing work in every listener, Father, in their hearts. Renew them, Father. Touch them, Daddy. Bring a touch of healing over their lives. And Lord, may they be victorious in you. May they, may they experience your goodness, Father. May they turn to you, Father. May they learn to take their thoughts captive. May they grow in your word so that your word, your truth can set them free, Father. I pray that you'll deliver any person today who is struggling, Father, with the lies of the enemy. We break those strongholds today and we declare your truth in every person, Father. We come against and we bind that lying spirit, every lie that the enemy has told them today, Father. Let your Holy Spirit guide them in truth, that they may know the truth and walk in the truth. Deliver them today, Father. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us this day from evil. In Jesus' name, amen. If it's you, I just pray that you will just sit before the Lord. Forgive those. Forgive those that have hurt you. To hold on to unforgiveness is only going to be to your own detriment not to that other person. Let go so that God can deal with you, so that God can heal you and restore you because that is God's heart. He's a God of restoration. And John 10, 10 again says, the enemy comes to kill, steal and destroy. But the Lord says, I came to give you life and life in abundance. So may you have 
a blessed week. I hope that this word was encouraging, that it was just a reminder that we have a choice to either choose to listen to the enemy, to believe that lie, or to walk in the truth and to meditate on what is good, right, and worthy of praise. So thank you so much. Um, We will chat again next Saturday at the same time. Have a beautiful week from me alone at Willie for you. Goodbye. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.